Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to, this is a good news segment, but it's also a very informative segment. Uh, you know, I've got Sherry Creso joining me here today, you know, RN, certified nurse, midwife, you name it. But the most important thing I want to say about Sherry is that I probably she doesn't feel like this. Probably I do. I cannot believe we are talking about what we're getting about, getting ready to talk about today. Every time I think that we have made some incredible progress in women and women's rights, I am so reminded by my colleagues, Pat, have you lost your mind? We still haven't passed an equal rights amendment for women. Mm -hmm. Haven't done it. Did you forget that battle that you once took when you were like a youngster? So today we're going to talk about what a survey reveals. You know, this is a big topic and it's important one because I actually consider it uh, success manipulation when we take working moms and we start to look at how they are affected in the workplace when they are actually utilizing their rights. So today, a survey reveals some new working moms are having their workload altered. Why? What? What? Why? Well, look. This is something that many people don't want to talk about. But think about this. Think about it for yourself. Think about it for your children and think about it for your grandchildren. Does anybody even know whether or not moms have any breastfeeding rights? And if you do, do you know what they are? Well, we're going to take this on today. But there's also a fabulous study that was done. Sherry, great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. And you're right. It is such an important topic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I made this comment the other day. I was uh, I work with young women. And I brought up uh, the ERA, right? The Equal Rights Amendment. Mm-hmm. And I brought up because yeah. I don't know who mentioned it on air in some debate or something. But somebody said, yeah, that's the first thing we're going to do. And I mentioned it to young women. And they said, why do we want to support gun control? And I said, no, not mm-hmm. the NRA, the ERA. <laughs> so we're, uh-huh. in a, we're in a time warp right here. And that's why we have to talk about this. First of all, we don't even know what our rights are. Secondly, we don't even know what we're not getting. And third, we don't know that, as you mentioned, and you're going to talk about that the Affordable Care Act, by the way, which saved my health care personally, is not only on the chopping block, but it's like the chicken with the head already running around. So Right. What the heck is going on? Right. It's just, it's really awful. I mean, honestly, I feel the same way as you. I've been taking care of women for 30 years. And every time I think we've made strides and it's getting better, I look at a survey like this that came out and to see that all these women, one in five, aren't even aware of their rights, don't even know what their rights are under the Affordable Care Act, what kind of protections they have regarding breastfeeding in the workplace. And they're going back to work without this knowledge. So if they don't have the knowledge, how can they ever advocate for themselves? And they're 
not. And they're, and they're actually, like you said, seeing their work hours being cut, employers taking advantage or not knowing even what those rights or legal obligations they have to women. And it's just one more form of discrimination against women and even harassment. I mean, we saw in the survey that yeah. um, work most of the working moms, 66%, so they experienced some kind of frustration or embarrassment while they were at work because they needed to pump and that people were walking, other coworkers were walking in on them, making rude comments to them, telling them to stop or, or telling them to breastfeed somewhere else, to pump somewhere else. And that's harassment. And, you know, women are trying to just juggle it all. We live in a country where we, we don't provide extended maternity leaves for women to be able to stay home and breastfeed their babies. So then we need to provide, which we do. We have these 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 laws and we have these benefits in place, but we don't tell them about it and we don't enforce it. And that's part of why we did the why this research was done and why Byram Healthcare uh, sponsored this. Well, I mean, it, we're at the tip. We're, I don't even know how to talk about this, Sherry. We're not even at the tip of the iceberg. I am. I'm sitting there yeah. and I plug into what the debates say and what everybody's talking about. And I listened last night and the night before to what they're talking about. And I, I was holding my breath for one of the people up mm. there, somebody, somebody to talk about women's rights. And, you know, I think we danced around the issue. I, I, I mean, are we so uninformed that we just it's not even on our radar? But let's talk about something even more important. Right. It's not even that we're so yeah. uninformed. I think there's so much propaganda that make us believe we actually already have rights that we actually don't have. That's true. That's true. You know, we so we don't think about it till we're actually in it and we're being discriminated ourselves or not getting what we need. Um, and then there's the rights that we do have that we just don't know, or even yeah. if we do know about them, we feel too intimidated to actually fight for ourselves. Let's talk about them because you know? this is part of what the survey has brought to the forefront. You know, I love surveys. Mm -hmm. I'm a researcher myself. So anytime we can ask people mm -hmm. questions and then provide answers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, Byram Healthcare, first of all, is one of the are one of the, the groups that have come forth to help with this. But a survey is worth its weight in gold. What did you find? Yeah, so we surveyed a thousand nationally um, U.S. women, working women with kids eight, under the age of two um, who are breastfeeding or have recently breastfed. And we found that the, many of them, the majority of them, um, did not know their benefits under the law regarding breastfeeding, that more than half of them had their workloads cut because they were breastfeeding, even though they didn't want that um, or didn't ask for that, and that were frustration, embarrassment, like we discussed before. Um, you know, what What I felt was that when I read this was that, you know, employers need to be educated. I mean, they're, obviously, they're the, for, the forefront. They need to be providing this information, not just to their breastfeeding employees or their expecting mom employees, but every employee within their employment needs to know um, what the rights are of, of these women and, and why and, and providing those private spaces and doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing under the law. Um, and women need to be educated. And one of the things that I loved that we did together, I did with Byram Healthcare, was not only the survey, but then some sort of um, support and action now, which is they can go to the website and we created a working, guide, working mom's guide to breastfeeding toolkit, which provides all of those benefits and rights under the law that you can download. It all comes together along with all kinds of guidance about what kind of breast pump you should look for and, um, and that's going to work for you and your 
working uh, situation, as well as a lot of tips and advice that I've given to moms to be able to succeed with breastfeeding. There's so much common knowledge, that basic knowledge about physiology, about their bodies, about breastfeeding that we don't talk about. And there's just this huge stigma surrounding breastfeeding, which is just ridiculous, you know, because we ha- it has the word breast in it. <laughs> Somehow it, people don't want to talk about it. But what we're talking about is feeding children and, and, health, and having good health outcomes. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, and, so and, you can go right. Yeah. But let's talk about this, because I think, you know, what we're talking about here also goes beyond this. It, it is one of the most intimidating and almost, I, I mean, for me, there's such a borderline around this that's just so inhumane. But, you know, ask me if I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm. Are yeah. you surprised? I'm not. I'm not surprised because, you know, look, <laughs> not I, I'm not surprised. I study the consequences of broken promises for 10 years. I know what happens yeah. when you do that. But I also know that we forget one thing in the midst of the Me Too movement and everything. What we forget is that this is a gigantic effort for women and moms in particular to stand up for themselves. I mean, I think you're touching upon it a little bit because there are serious consequences in the workplace. And I don't know who came up with the idea that moms don't need to work. Who was that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because the majority do need to work. They're supporting their families and um, they do need to work. And, And it isn't easy. And anyone who thinks that breastfeeding and pumping and going to work and bringing your milk back and forth, that somehow this is an easy thing. It's not. They should be respected and they should be applauded and they should be supported as much as possible. It's not easy. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about what we can do to help. First of all, let me ask you this question. Yeah. What can working yeah. moms do to advocate for themselves? Because I think there are two two parts to this. First of all, I don't know that working mom knows that they can advocate for themselves. So I think that's got that's where we got to start. I don't think they know they can. Absolutely. Knowledge. The knowledge is the most important thing. They need to first know what their rights are and then start from there. Okay. Yeah. Now that if they, they know. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. How would they know? Go ahead. That's why we tried to make it easier. I mean, okay. the information is available, but if you don't know to look for it, you may not know to, to find out. So the, the toolkit really does provide you with everything you do need to know in a very nice, concise way um, with also pocket guides and things that you could carry with you because this is not just about the workplace. There are legal rights that women need to know about, their breastfeeding rights. You, read, you see it on the news every day, somebody being harassed in a Target or, or a mall or somewhere that they're breastfeeding and being harassed about it. Um, women have rights to breastfeed any, in any public and private place in all 50 states. And they need to know that um, they shouldn't feel intimidated, and although they do. Um, and it's all of us, that even the ones for us who are not breastfeeding, to be encouraging moms. When you see a mom, encourage them and tell them good job. You know, let them know that there are a lot of people who support what they're doing. And, um, and then there's always power in numbers, too. Find a support group. Talk to other breastfeeding moms. Get together because it's hard to do this by yourself. It's hard. It is hard. And, you know, part of the other thing that I want to say, and this is where this is where I come in. 
this is the thing that most of my life, I'm a bit older than you. So I've been around, you know, I, I, I've been at a, a number, I, I've probably been at more protest marches and more rallies than people can even imagine. Because when we started to come out and speak out, this was back in a time mm-hmm. when you marched in Alabama, when you marched against a war, when you, I mean, marching was the, uh, what we now know, Twitter, marching was the Twitter of that age. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yes. But but here's what you can do if you're not a mom or you're not a mom in this situation. If you see see an, an, an event of harassment to a mom that is doing what her right is to do, we have to get more involved. Mm-hmm. We cannot turn a blind eye to this. And boy, I'll tell you, we are doing that across the country right now. So we have got to speak up for others that perhaps may or may not be able to speak up for themselves at any given point in time. Absolutely. It's a really vulnerable time for a woman. And as a new mom, um, especially leaving her baby, it's emotional, all of it. There's so much happening. So yes, I love what you're saying. And I agree. We all need to speak up and, and, and say something if you see somebody being harassed or it's, you know, it's either that or encouraging them when you yeah. do see it happening. So no, yeah. Okay. Um, Look, a lot of information. I know you've got a lot of interviews you're doing. I want to make sure that we have information for people to look at. How can they look at uh, the survey? How can they find out their rights? Because we are talking about yes. le- legal, legal protection here. Federal laws. Yep. Legal protection. Best place to go is byramhealthcare.com. They can download the toolkit for free. Um, They can get all the information in that toolkit and they can also get their no cost breast pump right there as well. So they can just insert their information, their insurance information and get their pump. So all of it in one place. I love it. I have one last question for you, Sherry. Thank you for joining me today. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with? Oh, my personal message is, um, you know, we are responsible for our own health and we need to take back our control of our health. And we are responsible not just for ourselves, but for everyone else. And I loved what you said about whether you're a breastfeeding mom or you know somebody who is or you don't, but you have a daughter or a sister. It is all of our it's in all of our best interests and to be able to be advocating for this. It matters. Babies' lives are depending on it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we have to bust the illusion right now that, yeah, moms have the luxury of not working. We just got to bust that. That is so not the reality of today's world. Not the reality. It's so not the reality. And so we need to support them in every way we can. Thank you so much for doing this. Rock on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Short break. We'll (laughs) be right back. Yeah, this is it. This one. Get out. Get out there like Sherry. Get out there. We'll be right back. To find answers to life's questions, you need to look within yourself. Dr. Glenna Rice brings your questionable conversations on Transformation Talk Radio each month. Tune in each month for insight into how you can live up to your full potential. Dr. Glenna is a physical therapist, certified access consciousness, and access body class facilitator. How does it get any better than this? For more information on Dr. Glenna Rice and her work, visit GlennaRice.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to our good news segment. Now, look, this is actually really good news. Dr. Kristen Higgins is joining us here today. Why? Because... 
I love to talk with each of you about hope. And sometimes when you say the word cancer, it doesn't always come with the word hope. But today we're going to talk about a treatment which does give hope to patients. And Dr. Higgins, of course, is that person that is bringing the message forward, right? So when we think about the work that we do in our world, when we think about who we are, when we think about the people that are showing up to talk about this, we think about folks that have a passion and a purpose to make sure that each and every one of us understands that there is something on the other side of a rainbow. Dr. Higgins, thank you for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me. So look, you have been sort of in the evolution, should I say, of lung cancer or in the evolution of progression of solutions in this arena. But you know, this is something also that you have been present and purposeful about. I want to ask you this question. Is it just me or are we now seeing some breakthroughs that seem like in the past year or two, kind of like Trump or accumulate some of the breakthroughs that have been made in previous years. Is that just me or is there something exciting going on here? There is something exciting going on in lung cancer. And, you know, these are the sorts of breakthroughs that we don't see very often. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that I think in general, there is such a stigma with the diagnosis of lung cancer. And, And many patients, when they hear that word, they will throw in the towel and say, well, there's no hope. Should I even get treatment? And my message to you is absolutely you should get treatment because the treatment is better. It is so much better. We're curing more patients. Um, Our patients are living longer. Um, And and I want to make sure that that the people know this information and and that it's getting broadly disseminated and that you're talking about it in your living room and, and saying, well, if those treatments would have been around for you know, my dad, then yeah. he could have done better. Um, yeah. And I have a particular passion for stage three non-small cell lung cancer. And, and what that means is that the cancer is um, in the lymph nodes in your chest, but it hasn't yet spread outside of your chest. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a great new treatment paradigm for stage three non-small cell lung cancer. Um, and, and what that involves is giving radiation and chemotherapy together for six weeks and then giving a drug called Infinzi, which is a type of immunotherapy. And what immunotherapy does is it causes your immune system to attack the cancer. Um, and it's a different approach that, than what we've used in the past. It's not chemotherapy that comes in there and kills your cancer cells and your good cells. This is using your own immune cells yeah. to fight the cancer. Yeah. Um, and it's been a breakthrough. Um, For these patients, this approach has been shown to reduce the risk of death from lung cancer by 32%. And that's tremendous. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about with this is, and of course, this is not the interview for this, but, you know, in my own healing journey, one of the things I learned is, and and believe me, I'm a girl from New York. So what I'm about to say is about as far fetched for somebody like me to even be talking about. I learned that there is part of the body that loves to heal itself. And for us to look at that, you know, we have to strengthen some things. But in your case, what you're saying is the strengthening of things is that you're not taking an additional toll on the good Mm -hmm. cells. Mm -hmm. And that's really Mm -hmm. a mega breakthrough. It is because what cancer does is it tricks your immune system into not recognizing it. Right. (laughs) That's Um, right. Yeah. And so this infancy is causing your immune system to say, wait a minute, 
this is a cancer. You're not supposed to be here. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Um, and so it's sort of a, a different approach. And, um, you know, to your point, this, I think, feels better to a lot of patients because yeah. they don't feel like they're destroying their body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's stop for a minute and give out the website because I've spent a lot of uh, time on this website and I've looked at what you're saying and I looked at, you know, uh, really for me to understand it without the conversation with you, I wasn't completely getting it, but it does give people a lot of information. So can you please tell folks how they're going to be able to find out more about this? Sure. So to find out more about Infinzy for stage three lung cancer, you can go to Infinzy.com. Um, you can also talk with your healthcare providers to see if you're a candidate for this uh, treatment. Um, there are other great websites, too, with good content for lung mm-hmm. cancer. I would recommend the National Cancer Institute website, um, also um, the American Cancer Society, and there's a great advocacy group called Longevity that also has um, great content as well. Okay, so let's get down into some things that people should pay attention to, because I think this is where this is where the real... Um, let's just say this is where the real vision comes in, because if we can't recognize the signs up front in this time period that folks have, then we're not really giving them enough information. So let's talk about some of the signs, because when I went through this, doctor, what happened to me is I said, wow, that doesn't sound like that. That just sounds like a cold. So can you go through this and tell us, you know, what we should know, what we should ask, and what we should be aware of for the symptoms, even if our healthcare provider doesn't pick them up? Sure. So um, any unexplained and rapid weight loss can be a a sign of of cancer, Mm -hmm. um, particularly lung cancer. We see that rapid weight loss um, pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a cough that's not responding to you know, antibiotics or, or steroid medications. Um, sometimes something as vague as, as shoulder pain can can be a lung cancer. I've had quite a few patients diagnosed um, after shoulder pain that just won't go away. Um, so if, if you have a symptom, any symptom that is recurrent and persistent and is not going away, then you need to push your team and say, look, I really think maybe I need a CT scan to look further into this. Um, and that's typically how we diagnose lung cancer is from a CT scan. Um, and, that, and that's really the advice that I would give. But one other thing that I want to drill down on is once you've been diagnosed with the lung cancer, it's very critical to make sure that your doctors are assigning the right stage to your cancer. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because what we many times patients will have an eight centimeter tumor and they'll go they'll be in the hospital because of breathing problems. And you know, they'll be assumed to have a stage four lung cancer when in fact they don't. Um, and you really need to do all of the the workup, the, the whole body PET scan and brain MRI to make sure that you're not putting somebody into the stage four non-curable category when they do indeed have a curable stage three non-small cell lung cancer. And I really want to bring that point home. And I, I want you as a patient or a, a caregiver to go in and say, what have you done to accurately stage my cancer. And, and you can demand that and you should. That's a way to advocate for yourself to make sure that you're getting the correct treatment. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've talked about a gazillion times, and I'm going to say it again right now, um, having been down this road with friends and family, one of the things that has helped significantly is this. Don't go alone. Don't go alone. Mm-hmm. Bring family, bring friends. Write down your questions before you get there. 
hand them off to a friend of yours and make sure that they can come in and ask these questions and advocate for you. Because you know this, right, Dr. Higgins, when you're in the middle of a crisis, do any of us remember any of this? No, no, you're absolutely right. You need as many, you need a team for yourself. Um, Absolutely. Um, And another point that I want to bring up that you can, that you can ask when you're there visiting with your cancer team, say to your team, what are the most recent developments in the last two years for my stage of cancer? Tell me what those are. And if you, if they're not recommending that for you, then that's sort of a red flag. And you just, you want to make sure that you're getting state-of-the-art treatment. Yeah. Isn't that an interesting question? And can I say this? That question mm-hmm. you just talked about is perhaps one of the most important. And here's the thing that we've talked about on this show a lot. We even did a panel on this, you know, with psychologists. And, you know, that's my area of expertise. The deal Mm -hmm. for people is this is not the time to be intimidated by your doctor and doctor team. This is not that time, right? This is where you have to stand up and say, I've got more questions. Don't you think that's so important for people? Oh, yes, absolutely. This is your life. I mean, this is... You have to bring everything to the table, leave no stone unturned. Um, and you just, you need to go in there and have an honest conversation human to human. This isn't about, um, you know, your doctor having more knowledge than you. This is about your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have as honest and transparent of a conversation as you possibly can. What, why, I ask you a question. This I don't know if, how much they told you about me. <laughs> I've been doing this for 15 years. And my show is about human potential. It started because Mm -hmm. I was at the worst point in time in my life when everybody around me thought I should be at the top of the world, and I wasn't. But there was a Mm -hmm. purpose to why I wasn't. And I want to ask you that question. Here you are, you're doing a lot of interviews, you're out there, you want to make a difference. What is it that got under your skin for you that got you pointed in this direction to be such an advocate? That's a great question. And it's, uh, it's, I'll try to sum it up in just a, yeah. a few sentences. Yeah. Um, I, I think that with whatever challenges you have in life, um, there's certainly different ways of um, relating to them. And it's about your perspective. Mm-hmm. And your perspective can be changed by the people that you're around and the people that are shepherding you through that experience. And my job as a doctor is to shepherd patients with cancer through their treatment. And to the extent that I can reframe their experience, I mean, that's, there's such potential in that I can do so much for the patient and their family if I can help them have hope. And even when people are dying, you can help people die with dignity. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful job. And that's really what I think drew me to this field. Yeah, it is powerful. Look, I know we have a few more minutes. I want to ask you just sort of a summary question. One, I want to ask you, are we making progress in the survival rate? And number two, what do you think some of the challenges are for physicians and patients that are looking at this kind of treatment or looking at this kind of diagnosis? So they're kind of two two questions, but they really are related. Sure. So- Absolutely. We are making improvements in survival rates. Patients with lung cancer are living longer across the board because of these breakthroughs, largely due to immunotherapy. Um, For that stage three patient population that we were talking about, um, with Infinzi, we're able to reduce the risk of death from lung cancer by 32%. And that's really, really meaningful and profound. Yeah, that's a lot. Now, yeah. But nonetheless, there are still barriers to patients getting this treatment. And 
a lot of it, I think, is back to the way that patients internalize their diagnosis um, and, and the stigma that has been associated with lung cancer. So um, many times patients um, don't want to be a burden on their family members or their caregivers, and they won't seek them out. I'll literally have, have patients say they don't want treatment because they're worried about how to get to radiation every day, and, and they feel that they're a burden. And, you know, it's important that, you know, family members and caregivers are telling that cancer patient, no, you are not a burden. This is what we're here for. Um, because there's a lot of emotions and guilt, I think, that mm -hmm. cancer patients have when they're trying to figure out how they can make it through treatment successfully. And that makes me, that saddens me a lot when I see it playing out uh, yeah. with families. Yeah, I find um, that especially true of lung cancer. I'm not saying yeah. it's not true of the other cancers, but I find it especially true of lung cancer for a lot of reasons. Yeah, no, I do too. And again, still that 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 stigma, that belief that there's nothing that can be done, right. that's one of the major barriers. And that's what I'm trying to change by talking with you today and disseminating this information to the general public is that that's really not true. Lung cancer is different. We have new treatments and, and we can help you get through this. Yeah. One more time with the website. Let's spell it for people if you don't mind, doctor. Sure. So to learn more about immunotherapy in the stage three lung cancer setting, you can go to imfinzi.com, I-M-F-I-N-Z-I. -I All right. So what I want to say in ending this up, doctor, is this, you know, the area of work that I do, there's a body of work I do around hope. And I've really mm -hmm. struggled with what that means. And here's what I've come to know about it and want to share with you, because you're right on about sure. it. So once upon a time, I couldn't put my finger on what the word hope meant. And today, here's what it means to me, having struggled with the disease for 10 years. Uh, it's having optimistic, having optimistic possibilities every day, H-O-P-E, mm -hmm. having optimistic possibilities every day. And what you're talking about is making sure that happens here is to really stay on the possibility solution. And that's what it sounds like this does for people. Absolutely. And, and thanks for that definition. I, I definitely will, will take that back home and, and use it in my practice. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the work I do with people every day, they have to come up with 10, 10 of these every day if you mm -hmm. work with me, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Thank really you. neat. Thank you so very much. And, you know, uh, uh, Ted, this is not in the recording, but get her some water, okay? <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Have you ever wondered if there's a way to heal the deep, hidden inner issues, wounds, beliefs, and traumas. The journey into spiritual healing engages people in all areas of their lives to heal themselves and others. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Dr. Jaffe brings conversations of healing of body, mind, and spirit as he merges the excellence of traditional medicine with the beauty of spiritual healing. For more information about Dr. Jaffe, this show, and his work, visit drjaffemd.com. Disease, one of the most dreaded words in our vocabulary. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. 
Did you know traditionally we have viewed disease as a degenerative process? Disease is better understood when we view it as disease in the human body. Disease means without ease. Health is not merely the absence of disease. It's when every part of the body works together effortlessly, relaxed and at ease. It's that relaxed state that lets energy flow in waves through and around the entire body. Every organ has an electrical charge, and when overcharged or undercharged, disease occurs. And it is an effort to go through our day. We are able to determine the exact disease of the body and design a specific solution to correct the nutritional imbalance. Contact us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Darcy Pariso is your connection to spirit, energy, and healing. You can meet Darcy in person at upcoming events throughout Seattle. Do you have questions about your animal companions, yourself, or do you desire to communicate with loved ones on the other side? Darcy will connect you and get answers. Darcy can also work with energy healing to help you and your animal companions feel more balanced and recharged. Visit DarcyPariso.com events. That moment when you realize you have mastered your wellness. When you become so resilient, you can conquer any hiccup life throws Yeah, well, me either. But I still ride unicorns. I'll teach you how to become a mindset master. You will learn how your habits and behavior affect your success in nutrition, exercise, relationships, organization, and so much more. It's your reality, and you need to do it your way. Self care and self love are anything but selfish. Take charge. Get excited. If not now, then when? Grab your espresso and get ready to talk all things wellness. It's time for Coach Couch and Coffee Radio with Coach Peggy Wong right now. Hello, everyone. Coach Peggy here, and you are listening to Coach Couch and Coffee Radio on Transformation Talk Radio. You know, you can find me every Monday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 Eastern, same place, same bat channel. I always grab my favorite unicorn mug, but today is so special for the first time ever. I grabbed my happy face mug because I love my guest so much. Rob, what did you bring for your mug? I brought a Harry Potter mug. That has Harry all the Harry Potter characters. No, <laughs> mug, mug. We both love coffee so much. Like that is one of our connections for sure. Okay, you guys, this show, as you can see behind me, um, it was Father's Day yesterday. And this show was very important to me. I hope it resonates with listeners and viewers. And if you are a father, I remember we all some way, some fashion science says we have a father, sperm donor, daddy, father, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so I hope it resonates with you and I hope it resonates with the daughters and the mothers out there, because if you don't have a good role model, I want you to go get one. So anyways, when I was thinking about this show, Rob, first of all, instead, we're going to do a 45 minute show today instead of 30 because I love and miss you. 
that wow, much. Wow, that blows my mind. Thank you. No, right? It's Can you lot. imagine? Who wants to talk to you that much, babe? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So when I was thinking about doing this Father's Day show, I mean, it was like, a, I went through a process. I was like, okay, I'm going to find all these authors who wrote these amazing books on how to be the greatest dad. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't have time to read one more book that's going to pretend to be right. So I said, I put the list aside. Then I thought, well, I could go into my family. And I thought, no, my poor stepdad who got me at 21 would be like, please don't make me do this crap. Not that you were like the last resort at all. <laughs> You're making this sound like such a... <laughs> I'm so excited that I'm prefacing it this, this way. But I, before I tell everybody all the resume crap stuff that you do, I just really want to say, I've known you. I met you through your wife, as you know, Kathleen. And I've known you for a couple of years. And I, you may not realize this, but I've sat back and watched you. And some of the things you say and do... I just wish we could duplicate you on a Xerox machine. Not that you're perfect. I have two disclaimers for today's show. Rob is not perfect. How's definitely that? not. Definitely <laughs> not. Way to lift me up, coach. And, yeah. and I am not here to shame or blame or tell anybody or point the fingers at anyone. We're just here to have some fun and maybe spark some energy for people to be the best they can be. So let's hear about Rob. So Rob is a COO of a public multinational logistics company, which is so many words. I had to look at that. And currently he lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin via Long Island, New York, which we're not going to hold against him. He's also from a family of four boys. So that probably didn't give you much advice on how to raise a daughter, but he, so he has done everything from you guys, so many businesses. He's so adventurous and he's such a hard worker. He even performed on Broadway. I have tried to find those videos and I can't, but supposedly he did. Singer, dancer. Oh God. If you can't find those videos, then I've done something right. (laughs) Yay team. Well, you do know technology. So you probably either paid somebody off or erased them out of society. Okay. So welcome. Yo, thank yo. you. Thank you for having me. I think, I think anyone who is a dad or pretends to be a dad knows how hard it is. So it's an honor to, to, even, to even be here talking about it. So thank you. Is it weird to be talking about something that's personal versus business? You're so ready yeah. Johnny on the spot with his, when it's business. Well, especially, especially in my, this is my home office and I'm used to talking business, 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 numbers, numbers. And then when I'm here talking about this, it's, it's, I, I'm used to having the fake button-down shirt on. Um, I, you have the button-down shirt that you just throw on and you pretend you're being professional. You can wear my, sweatpants. My, my Unicorns Rule Bro t-shirt on. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even... It was literally the first shirt I grabbed. So, you didn't even plan um, it, which broke my heart. I thought you planned that. Totally planned it. I just didn't want to make you feel bad. So, I planned it. <laughs> Awesome. So I wanted to ask you because we haven't had this type of a conversation before. We love coffee. We love to do our, you know, espresso shooters and stuff. Um, I am really curious. So growing up with, you know, in a family of four, well, you were the fourth boy. Did you always know you wanted to be a dad? There there are four, aren't there four boys in your family? Yeah, there are four boys, but I was number three. There's four, which is the youngest. You're going birth order on me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Middle childish. Four yeah, your lower middle. Yeah. There you go. Did you always know you wanted to be a dad and have a family? Yes, always. Yeah, I, I think the difference was 
even even you know we were Kathleen and I were married in the Catholic Church, and you have to go through pre Cana, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but we both had projected having three kids and then we have one and we were like, wow, I think we're having one. Um, <laughs> Is uh, it but you know, pardon? Is it cause it was a girl because it was a girl. You're like, mm. no, I, you know, it was, it was a complicated decision. Um, but right. the truth of the matter is now that we have Alex and, and with our jobs and careers and everything like that, um, you know, would it have been great? Would it have been fun? Absolutely. To have, to have more. I think, you know, we're, we're just as happy to have Alexandra and she reaps the benefits of being an only child. So one way or the other, we'll figure that out when she's 25 oh. and she calls me and says, oh my God. Exactly. Either way, it's probably going to end up in therapy. So, you know what I mean? It depends on the size of the bill and what kind of therapist it is. So it's so true. So, you know, today what I wanted to talk about is that, you know, being the father that a daughter needs versus being what you think she wants or what you want to be is a little bit different. So when you decided you want to be a dad, okay, and then you became a dad of a daughter, did that then paint a different path or anything that you wanted to be like, if you had a son, did you decide I'm going to do blank or to just fall out? No, it, you know, you, you prepare yourself to, you prepare yourself for both sexes until you find out. And then when I found out it was a daughter, I felt completely and utterly unprepared because we're, we're four boys. I mean, it was just, and mom was the queen and that was, that was that. And, and so completely unprepared, but overnight it changed my perspective on, on a lot of things with respect to, you know, religion, with respect to society, with respect to, Literally 50 different multiples and variables changed overnight, um, knowing that Alexandra was coming. Uh, and, and so it actually, I gotta be honest, I was, I was always one of those, you know, well, and you know, like blustery, oh, and when I am my child, like, no, you won't go to your room. And I, yeah, I'll spank him. That's okay. You know, and then child comes out and you're like, what? No, what's, I, no, there's, I, you know, there are 50 million variables that change when, when the baby comes yeah. out. Nonetheless, having background in, in boy stuff and having a girl. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's easy for me to bounce right ahead with the girl stuff. You know, the majority of my clients are girls. The majority of them have issues. So it's easy for me to bounce way ahead. So I, I want to try to stay back here a little bit, but society and the fake Instagram sites and all of those things of what a girl's supposed to be. You know, you can't have cellulite on your thighs. You have to look pretty. You, you have to go outside with makeup. You're not going to make as much money as men. You know, all of those things still are very prevalent out there. And they sit, I'm sure, way out here that you're thinking about. Are you creating any sort of path? Like, how do you cope with that on a day-to-day? I mean, she's six. So that's my night. That's my nightmare is, is thinking about social media, media, you know, society and all that. All, all I'm basically trying to do at this point is give her the foundation of, of really accountability to herself and accountability as a family unit. So, you know, for example, we, we were joking when she had, she had a first day of camp today. And, and our thing with her is we have our job. You have your job. Your job is to go to school. 
and, and camp is, is school for us. Right. And so your job for our family is to go to camp and you have the same, you know, responsibilities and accountability as we do when we go to work, albeit we go to work and we're paying for you to go to camp, but damn it, it's pretty close to the same thing. You have to go to camp. And, and the other one is, is to herself, you know what I mean? Be, being, staying true to who she is and not, and not playing down to certain types of friends or feeling that she has to change who she is to other types of friends. Um, you know, we say to her religiously, you be you. And, and, and you know, my big thing to her is while she's being her, you know, she's got to hold herself accountable to stuff. I mean, because without that, you lose the foundation of the whole breakdown of, 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 of sexes and equality and we can talk about it for hours society wise. But, right. you know, my big thing to Alexandra, and you've probably heard me say it, is you're better than that. Mm-hmm. Look, that, that's what I can hold you to. You are better than that. I, oh, Alex, why are you doing that? Just look at her and I'll go, you're better than that. And right. it's not, it's, 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 she's getting to an age now where she could, she'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm better than that. And she uses it to other kids in the school. I know. What's I'm, so funny about your your family dynamics as I'm watching you guys grow up, you know, together is that I'm watching her actually start to coach you guys, which is such a beautiful thing for me to see because you're like, oh, you're going to be Alex. Da, da, da. And then she's like, dad, I'm just being Alex. You know, she's like yeah. using some of the stuff against yeah. you. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking, just thinking about the concept that you just used is that you are holding her accountable, but in her window, not holding her accountable to the adult world, which makes those of us who are girls that grew up trying to be type A personalities, trying to be the best, stand up, look pretty, be smart, don't speak unless spoken to, da, 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 still chasing an adult society, adult responsibilities, trying to measure up. But she still gets to be a kid, but be accountable for that chunk. Yeah. I think which is the other trap of being an only child with two parents at work. You, we talk to her like she's an adult. We've talked to her like she was an adult ever since she was a baby. Um, there wasn't a lot of baby talk. There wasn't a, what are you going to do out? It was, so uh, what are you going to do today, Alex? And, and she'd tell you what she was going to color today. You know what I mean? The, like those kinds of things. I think, I think that if there's anything I work on, it's that balance of allowing her the benefit of accountability. And it really is a benefit because only with accountability can she feel like she's achieving something that she's managing without these fake goals of you did so good coloring today. Maybe you did good coloring today. Was that a KPI you set for yourself? Then awesome. You achieved it. You know what I mean? Things like that. Right. So do you, so that's, I mean, that's amazing for her self-esteem and she's setting herself accountable. Where do you bring in that kind of breakdown? So she comes to you and she says, have a crappy day, super emotional. How do you take that out of left brain? Your wife, who I know very well, has a left right brain ratio of 80, 20. She's an attorney. No surprise to you. So how do you take this super compartmentalized? This is what you're going to be. This is great. You have responsibilities. Good job. And just go, come to daddy. Oh my God, you had a bad day. He was so mean to you. Well, so it's, it's funny because I, I do, I do that to a certain extent. So when I pick her up and she's having a bad day or she looks like she's about to cry or she's got a frown on, um, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll just ask her, I'll be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And if she can't, you know, verbalize it, I'll just start with, 
do you need a hug? Yeah, do you need awesome. a hug? And then it's, 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 do you need a hug? And I give her a hug and either she laughs or I'll, I bury my neck and beard, my beard into her neck and, and she'll, she'll take a second or we'll say count to 20 and I'll put her in my arms and we'll count to 20 together. And then she's able to regroup herself and say, okay, what was wrong? Well, so-and-so said this, sir. I didn't get to play there or I fell or I was on the monkey bars and I hurt my hand or something like that. It's, it's, it's my way of approaching it because, you know, as much as I tease Kathleen, we, we're both emotional, you know, kind of characters. And, and for Alex, it's helpful to say, okay, what do you have that needs to be released? Do you need a hug? Do you need a snack? Do what, what, tell me what you need. Great. Yeah. Now let's break it down and let's discuss it. Um, I think it, that verbalization piece where she's able to talk about it, I think does wonders. Whereas back when I was going, it was suck it up, suck it up. You had a bed, just suck it up. Exactly. Or suck it up, a cupcake. <laughs> and that doesn't help either. <laughs> so. Now I get all the emotional leaders because of that. So fast Sorry. forward. Let's no, don't. After the commercial, what I want to talk is how you balance this whole thing. So I'm trying to keep it dissected a little bit because I want to talk about how you balance being on the road, how you balance being a husband, how you balance being a great dad, how she doesn't miss you. You're there present, but not present. But let's fast forward before we hit this commercial. Now she has to go out into society. Now her self-esteem has to kick in. Now there's relationships. Now there's professions. I'm sure that scares the hell out of you. But how are you prepping yourself to be the dad she needs? Are you still allowing that, you know, that fallback of like, talk to me what you need, what you need. Are you planning ahead or anything? What do you? Oh, absolutely. Like, for example, when she, when, when we catch her doing something, she's not supposed to be doing. Okay. There the, the, the rush to be like, I told you so, or I got you, or yeah. I saw you. And, and we build the padding for, you can tell me, go and tell me mm-hmm. because my fear is twofold. My fear is I'm your friend, not your dad. That's not me. Not going to happen. No chance in hell. And then the other one is you try to balance, hey, want to be cool dad with, hey, you can tell me because I'm your dad. And when you need yeah. someone at two o'clock in the morning, I'm the dude you want to call first. People pay me to be the first call. You want me to be the first call versus the self-esteem thing, which is, my biggest fear is that we have these kids with huge self-esteem now where if they don't win a gold ribbon, they're crushed. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's this constant pendulum swing of, of trying to, to bridge, I mean, like Six Sigma. You're trying to bridge the, the delta to a, an acceptable back and forth where, yes, you're self-confident, yeah. but don't be cocky. Yes, I'm here to help you with anything you need. But you shouldn't need dad to help bury body, whether it be whatever it is. So but let's let's find <laughs> but, but it is it's one of those things where it's like you want them to have everything and nothing because you want them to have everything so they feel like they have it, but you want them to have you know less so that way they have something to rise to and, and grow stronger. So how do you set up the fact, because I mean, relationships are going to happen. You and Kathleen have an amazing relationship, been together a long time, good friends, like to be around each other. Quite frankly, it's really rare. Um, How do you set herself up to set her up to expect that? Like, I want a guy that talks to me like my dad talks to my mom. Like, do you, I mean, I know she's six. 
No, no, no. But we, but it's Peggy. It's the thing that we've been prepping. So she, you ask Alexandra, and she will tell you, mommy is number one. Mommy is number one. That's it. In daddy's world, mommy is number one. You're you're close number two, but you're number two. Mommy is number one. So that way, at least she has that understanding that, you know, mommy is there. So when I have someone, I should be held at that same level. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That yeah. that's. It's not like she doesn't feel like she's important enough. You know what I mean? Like uh, mm-hmm. we had someone say that to us. Once, well, she's number one. No, no, she's number two. Mommy's number one. It's like, well, how does that make her feel? I, I, I don't know. We'll see in 25 years when she's laying on the, the therapist bed. But in the meantime, she's going to know that mommy comes first. And, and that well, she, and she'll hold, she'll expect that from her man. No, no, exactly. Her but I had that. My dad and my mom. Kathleen said, and Kathleen's mom, like that was, that was it. That was mom is number one, your role, mom. Oh, and then there's you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Oh, that's so how do you, how do you deal with discipline? I thought that's something that just came to mind. I brushed right over. So does she, does she pick her own? I can't wait to hear this one. I'm taking a sip on this puppy. So, so it's, fu- it's funny. D- discipline ironically has morphed into this kind of self-disciplinary aspect. What we okay. set up early with Alexandra was count to five. Peggy, I can be anywhere. I can be in target. I can be at the zoo. I could be upstairs. If I go five, four, you will hear little feet running from anywhere. She could be doing anything wrong or right. And she'll come running. So, okay, fine. So attention, I can get your attention. But then I'll say to her, and this happened like last week, I say, okay, so if you do that again, what should the punishment be? And she said, I I can't use my iPad or I can't watch something or I can't play with this. Now, don't get me wrong. She comes up with much more draconian punishments than I did. She's like, I can't watch for a month. And I go, oh my God, if you don't watch TV for a month, the hell am I going to do with you? Like, like that's, that's the kind of mechanism. She comes up with the craziest stuff, but, but it is getting to the point where she's at six. She's I do that same thing with my clients. I'll say, well, you know, what do you want to do this week? And they're like, Oh, I'm going to run seven days this week. I'm like, well, I was just going to say two, but Hey, yeah. And don't okay. get me wrong. She's going to turn 13 and she's going to be like, I should go to my room. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. Like I know it's coming. I know it's coming. That's so awesome. Okay. We are, hey, everybody, we're going to take a break. We are going to come back and we're going to talk about how Rob balances this whole crazy thing. See, I told you guys you'd love him. So come on back to Coach Couch and Coffee Radio here on Transformation Talk Radio. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Coach Couch and Coffee Radio with me, Coach Peggy Wells. Did you hear something that made you go, hmm, or have an aha moment? I live for those. If not, we will get you next time. I will be back every first and third Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific. The tough love you to become smarter, stronger, braver, healthier, and happier. Duh. I will be back with a barrel of positivity, and you never know when a guest might pop in. There is no time for excuses. So don't forget to bring your coffee and an open mind as we talk all things wellness on Coach Couch and Coffee Radio with me, Coach Peggy Wells. Now go grab a ray of sunshine.